as a working parent, you you know, they, they have different experiences. They're prepared for school and they're actually built up the confidence. And I hadn't really thought about that. And I thought, actually, because there's times where, you know, you're rushing around and everything. Um, basically, if you're giving your child the time, the present, you know, when you're there, you're actually being present. It's, that's the value of it. But actually, they they learn they, they need to absorb different, different people, you know, to, to build that confidence. So it, re- it really, really helped me. Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieve their career goals and the paths they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken. CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show. Meet our first guest who joins us from across the pond. On today's show, you will meet Sharon Peters, a mother, wife, and a C-suite executive to a large global organization. I met Sharon several months ago at a lunch and I began speaking with her and I immediately knew she had to be on Elevate Your Career. Sharon will share moments of self-doubt, how she built a business case to work four days a week when she had her first child, and most importantly, her advice on how to get what you want in life and in business. We're elated to have Sharon join us today and look forward to her raw truths. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thrilled to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. First in our show, we have never had someone from Europe <laughs> who is a guest. So welcome. So it is uh, 10 a.m. our time uh, in Southern sunny California. And tell me in England, what time is it for you right now? Yeah, so it's 6 p.m. in not so sunny bit rainy, bit cold, um, Northwest London. So yeah, just outside the metropolis of London, that's where I'm based. But yeah, it's very dark here. So it gets dark by 4pm. So yeah, very dark. Oh, well, appreciate you being on the show today. And I know it's getting late and I know you have things to tend to. So appreciate your time. But um, let's start. I know you've listened to our podcast and we always start our show and segment with um, something that, you know, is a fun fact really about you that not a lot of people would know. Absolutely. So so this one is, I thought long and hard thinking, oh, should I share this? So I like running, I'm a bit of a runner. And um, in 2004, I ran um, the New York City Marathon um, for Alzheimer's, which I was really proud of. So I thoroughly enjoyed the race, got geared up and I was running away. Halfway through, I got an injury. I'm like, oh no, sort of limping away. So at the 17th, 18 mile and just finishing this race and I get, I'm thinking I'm doing quite well. And then I get overtaken by a giant rhinoceros so somebody dressed up as a giant rhinoceros and oh and the worst gosh. thing was my family so my my husband and my my father and almost my my mother-in-law were standing there just at the side at that same time just watching this like this giant rhinoceros just you know lightly just run past me while I'm trying to sort of grab my legs and go on push myself forward so yeah so now now loads of people know that story of my running my running prowess and the the, the giant rhinoceros so yeah that is my fun fact that now lots of people know about me probably now. <laughs> Sharon, if you, if I, you would have bet me a billion, I would have never ever guessed that you were 
overtaken by a giant rhinoceros in your run in the marathon. Oh my goodness. Now, I don't know if I could continue on in it <laughs> in a straight manner, but that is good that I am going to share that with my family tonight because that is the best story. So yes, that is a great fun fact that I will always remember. And so will our listeners. So thank you for sharing. Um, so let's let's start back. You know, the premise really of this podcast is to, to reach out and help others evolve in their careers. And when I first met you with my, which was my goodness, what, four or five months ago, you were out here because um, you're a CIO of a huge global company. And um, we ended up grabbing lunch and hearing your stories and, and just you knew into the organization and meeting new people. You're here in Southern California. You're, you know, you have a disparate team all over the world and trying to put those teams together. I was super impressed um, by what you're doing currently, but just hearing your background and how you function and where you've gotten to where you are today, I thought could lend itself really nicely to the show as well as help a tremendous amount of people, not only women, but men alike. And so let's start back a little bit um, talking about where you grew up and and then let's go from there and, and talk about some pivotal moments in your life that have really affected your career. Sure. No, I remember that lunch. And, and it's really funny. I, I, you know, one of the things I remember us talking about the fact that I really think part of what I want to do now is is help others, because I know that if I'd heard more stories that were compelling and and sort of resonated with me, it would have inspired me. Because in those moments where you kind of you lose your confidence or you really question yourself, you just need some as a bit of a boost. So, um, yes, I never start. I didn't start off in tech. I started off in retail because, I, you know, I, I wanted to earn, earn money. And so I, you know, worked in a restaurant, really started off early on and then worked in retail management for a good sort of, you know, four or five years. And what I really liked about that is, you know, you're in touch with customers, you understand products, but you understand that the products are only sell if the customers see the value. And, you know, I was quite curious in terms of, well, when things weren't working, how can we fix them? And I challenged quite a lot, you know, some of our systems and that got me thinking, well, I'm, I'm kind of interested in retail, but I wanted to understand how can I make it better? Um, and so I moved into um, tech. So I, I started off in, in a Marks Spence, which is a big retailer across the UK, and then moved into Gap. And I moved into a, a project manager um, role, again, because I was quite, I was I was young at the time, but I thought, I actually, I'm ready to do this role. And I remember going into that role as a, as a, a then an IT project manager. And I, you know, I think looking back, there was a fairly gender balance, but it wasn't, it wasn't that much. But I remember not knowing anything and that that almost that fear of like well what if I get it wrong um or what if I can't do it um and I did do it but it's that that worry and that fear and I really enjoyed it so I was a I was a, a, a project manager for for Gap and it was Europe so I traveled to Germany and France and did post releases and planned all those and I really really enjoyed it and how old were you when you got your was that your first job in retail when you yeah yeah so my first job yeah I, I finished at university and I went to work in after university um, and then from Mark Spencer I went to go and work and, as a project manager. And how long were you at MS? Um, for a good, probably a good couple of years, um, just doing the graduate program. And then I left to go and work for Gap. So I sort of, I went there first of all, and then left to go to, to Gap because I thought I wanted to, you know, explore something different and get into, you know, technology. So I went into to Gap. You weren't obviously in technology, as you mentioned. So talk to us a little bit about that transition, because I think sometimes that's overlooked in our stories that, you know, oh, we went from here and here and you 
you really went into an industry, like you had mentioned, gosh, okay, I'm going in and I'm going to venture into this different vertical. Was it hard, number one, to get that job? And number two, you know, you had mentioned while you were there, you were thinking, oh gosh, I don't really know necessarily what I'm doing. I'm. It sounds like you're going to have to learn on the job. So, so take us back to you leaving and then how did you get that role? Was that very difficult for you? Or I was quite focused in terms of I knew that I wanted to get a role in technology. And the reason for that is I wanted to be the influencer of change rather than just receiving the change. So I talked about what I could bring. And again, I did, I, you know, one of the lessons that I always talk to my kids about is prepare and think about why. Why do you want something? And then the authentic reasons kind of sell themselves. So I I didn't say what I didn't have, but what I did talk about is the fact that, you know, in in the role that I was taking, which was, you know, managing all the the POS releases, so the, you know, the the, the till releases, the language, I'll say things that, you know, come across in British, slightly different. Um, But, you know, you need to have really good relationships. You need to talk to people, you need to connect with them. And I'd spent, you know, uh, a large part of my, you know, when I was still at at school working with customers and talking to them, you know, when they're serving them in the restaurant. And so I, I knew I was really good at that and I could connect. And then the tech stuff, I just found fascinating. So putting in, you know, new new till systems and understanding the changes and understanding the requirements and doing the testing. That was actually the easiest bit because I all say to people now is tech's easy. It either works or it doesn't. People are a whole different kettle of fish. You know, people come in different shapes and sizes and opinions. And, you know, some are quite, you know, you know strong opinions. Some are quite defensive. And you kind of have to pivot to get the best value. So I very determined and focused on what I wanted, but also my value. And so there's points in my career I've been like, I, I know that when I'm there, I'm like, okay, I'm here now. Okay, what do I do? Right. <laughs> so it's almost a step in sort of thing. Like the big thing was preparation and focus to say, right, I wanted to do this. And this is why I'm focused on what I knew I was really good at because of, you know, that was, you know, my mid-20s. So it's still quite young right. um, doing that role. And so you're in, begin working there. And how do you evolve? So from there, or were, did you have any tidbits of, of information for us that you could share a little bit about that time and place? And then how long you were there? And then did you start elevating your career within that organization? Or did you have to leave to go to another organization? I look back and I think it was quite naive. I had a five-year plan and it's very focused on the five-year plan. I wanted to be a consultant uh, after five years. So with Gap, uh, you know, I was very structured and focused and organized. I did my updates, but I'd also possibly be, I could have relaxed a little bit more, but I was very focused on, you know, I wanted to get from Gap the promotion to, you know, a senior project manager and I wanted to do certain projects, but I probably didn't build as, as many of the relationships I could have done, but I certainly built the ones I needed to because I wanted my goals to be a consultant. But I was up for opportunities and I was always very good at making sure that, you know, if something needs to be done, I'd put my hand up. And I'd also make sure that, you know, um, things that when I did my project reviews or my updates, I'd also make sure that, you know, they were the best quality. My view in life is that you do the best you can because um, that's all you can do. And I was sure that I would do the best I can. I probably pushed myself harder because I was you know on this ambitious sort of curve I want to get to the next the next area but the one thing that I really learned is I probably didn't ask for as much help as I would have told my younger self now it's like you know it's okay to ask for help and I'm like no 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 I know where I want to go get to I know where I want to do 
Um, and I think that's one of the things looking back, it's like a case of at that point, do you know what? You could have just said something, do you know what? I'm doing this. What do you think? Yeah. Quite useful. It's so interesting because the more interviews I do, I think that's a real part of almost everyone that I've interviewed is their harshness on themselves to be perfectionist, to get things done and not either one being fearful of asking for help or just determined that they want to do it on their own and they can prove it to others that they're capable. And so that's really interesting that you said, you know, if you had to, one thing you would have advice given to your younger self would have been ask for a little bit more help. How did you know it? So you're in your twenties, but how did you know, okay, I want to be a consultant. I mean, where did that come from? Where, you know, in five years, I'm, I'm going to be a consultant, you know, is that a very big opportunities there in the UK or? Yeah. So it comes back to my, I love helping people and whether that be with tech solutions or, you know, I love getting value from things. And I thought, oh, the consultant is you go in there and you're, you're in problems and you're kind of helping, you know, whether it's transformations or whether it's you know projects so that was my idea I go in there and I'd use all my experience to help people and that was why I wanted to do it because I thought I've got you know I could work in retail I've worked in tech now I know everything and that was my real driver so I, I remember um, it was one May bank holiday we have obviously lots of bank holidays in the UK um, and I remember seeing on the back of this periodical like retail week and um, Accenture consultants once and I thought that's it that's me and I was thinking that is it that's like you know focus um, and I really thought well they want wanted people with experience and that was me um, and I applied for that and I remember doing a grueling three-hour interview and again thinking oh my god I've not, not, not done it and, and getting offered and thinking this is great because I can go there and I can help and I can use all this experience and I can be brilliant but it didn't work that way <laughs> it didn't <laughs> okay because I'm thinking oh my goodness you have a tremendous elevation in your career this is amazing very direct yeah. and know what you want to do and yeah. then getting yourself there with ease so yeah. tell us a little little bit about what happened. You interviewed and did you get the job? Yeah, so I got the job. Yeah, got the job. And the thing that I didn't consider in consultancy is there's work and there's life and there's a connection between the two. But I didn't think actually in consultancy, you can go anywhere, anytime and you, and, it, and don't have that sort of balance. So I get, you know, posted to not, not too far away from where I was living. And I thought, okay, this is okay. But literally every, so every single week from Sunday night to, to Thursday evening, Friday, I was traveling and I wasn't married then. And I wasn't have kids. It was just a, a lifestyle thing. And I found that relentless. And, you know, I, I sort of enjoyed the work, but it was different to what I expected. So I was, you know, in my late 20s at that point. So I wasn't senior enough to be at the strategy level, but I was kind of at the project level. And I thought, okay, this is, I'm learning lots and this is great. And I put in merchandising systems, but the lifestyle was like, I'm not sure this is what I want. I really love the traveling, but I didn't want to do something every single week where you're literally in a, in a suitcase. And so I learned a lot about myself in terms of I, I thought this was going to be the place and the job that I wanted to do, but actually it wasn't. And it wasn't a case of that I didn't do well. It was it was a choice saying, do you know what? No, this this isn't quite right. And so for me, it's a case of what well, I've done my five-year plan. I've got to where I've got to, but this isn't right. right. This isn't for me. Yeah. And that's, again, a, a point at which I thought, okay, um, why? What am I looking for? And I did a bit of sort of, you know, thinking, well, what is it? So I really enjoyed the the tech side of things, but I didn't enjoy that sort of lifestyle. And I also felt, and again, this is maybe a female thing, I just felt that I wasn't quite ready to do 
the level of consultancy, you know, I, I thought I was there to do. So it was a bit of a confidence moment as well. Well, and it's, that's interesting that you say that, but I hear from both men and women alike, you know, these big consultancy firms, Accenture, Deloitte, and, you know, there's vast amounts of others, but when you're younger in your career, many individuals come out because they're, they're large corporate organizations and, and they bring in really the best of the best. When you have gotten or reached an opportunity where you have the ability to work at one of these firms, you know, it's quite flattering as well. Um, they do, it is very hard work and you are, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, you are on a plane almost every week and you're going and you're going and going and it's, it's hard, it's hard work. And then you think, and you look back and you said, okay, yes, when you're younger in your career, you know, seeing the world and working on projects and like you said, yes, solving problems and you're a problem solver. I mean, there's nothing better, but then when you drill down and the pace that from my understanding at these organizations that you are running, it's a very specific type of individual Mm -hmm. and the delivery model, you know, that you are there and organizations are paying a lot money for your expertise. And so if you're feeling, oh gosh, this isn't number one, something that I I really enjoy or number two, the pressure of being perfect every single time for the delivery. I think it's a tough job. It's a tough job. Yeah, totally. I agree. And, you know, I did quite a lot of soul soul search. So I was probably there for about a year and a half, 18 months. And I thought, okay, and I want to put feelers out. So I then I thought, actually, I really do enjoy retail, but I enjoy the technology side of retailing. So I went um, back to M&S and I got a role as a program manager in retail systems. And I was kind of like, I'd always stayed in contact. I think the, 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 you know, another thing is you can stay connected and keep in contact with people because sometimes you make decisions and somebody's made choices, somebody's made mistakes. And it doesn't matter because we're not perfect. We just make choices that feel right at the time. And then we think, oh, okay, that's really great. So anyway, I go to um, M&S and I, I look after all the retail systems implementations and just love that. It was just cutting edge, you know, putting a 250 million pound, you know, chilling systems in. Some people don't enjoy that, you know, the, the, you know, the cold face of retail and just just being there. But again, building roadmaps and, you know, working with partners and just the buzz of doing that, which was brilliant. Um, and then I started, you know, my, my family. So there was there was that sort of getting a real buzz of something that, you know, you you kind of feel back on track and you feel like you're you're climbing. And then there's that whole moment of I think I want to start a family now and it's like okay so so yes what does that mean I remember once thinking well I'm really tired and I get home quite late at night how am I going to fit kids in and and you think as a, as a woman you think well no one tells you it's like this is how it works and you then you start to think well I can't say to anyone that I'm thinking of having a family because what if they don't give me the job or what if, and this is totally in my mind no one's saying this to me but I'm starting to think oh I don't know. Well, and therein lied another sort of step in my career thinking, well, I'm not a crazy career woman, but I'm having to think about what do I want to do now? And that pivotal moment, it's like, well, and I think that's very real what you're saying, right? And those are questions that we all have. Okay, now what? I want to have a family. How am I going to perform at the level that I'm used to working late, late nights, early, early mornings? And then have time to obviously raise children and, and, you know, have a life as well and be fair to them. So that's a real, real issue. And I think those are still to this day, those are thoughts that we as women 
you know, you, you have and, and yeah. trying to sort through. And so when I was pregnant with, you know, I'm 51, um, you know, that's when I was, I had my child when I was at th- I was 30 years old, it's tough. It's very taxing on you. And just mentally, am I going to be able to continue the pace that I am while I'm devoting myself equally over here to this new human being in my family? Mm-hmm. It's hard work. So yeah, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And so what did you end up doing? Obviously you started a family, but yeah. you figured it out. <laughs> Obvious. Yeah. And it's really funny. So, um, yeah, so we uh, we took a bit of time to get pregnant. And that's another story. It's like I went to wherever I work, trying to create the environment where people feel that they can talk about, you know, whatever moment they're going through and they feel that they can get the support because everyone's life's different. So anyway, we had my first son. And and again, so I, I remember um, asking my boss, I want to work part time. So part time for me was four days a week. And I remember feeling quite nervous, thinking, well, I'd love to work part time because you kind of get the best, best of both worlds. So for me, that felt right and feeling really anxious about you know building my business case of like well you'll still get you know four days of me and I'm still um focused and everything but almost really over indexing of how good I will be to get the four days and anyway my boss was brilliant and she said yeah you can have the four days which was great but an interesting thing happened so that was great. But because I came back to work after eight months, which in the UK is a, well, a relatively quick time, I know that the maternity leave is different around the world. But the number of people that particularly other sort of um, mums um, that, the you know, you, you focus on your career. I'm like, well, my husband doesn't earn enough to pay the mortgage. So, yeah, I have to come back after eight months. And the guilt of going back to work, first of all, and trying to be great and just the same as I was before, yet my little baby was sick. But then the guilt of feeling that I'm this crazy career person that goes back to work. And I'm like, this is really tough. This is tough on every single level. And I don't feel I can talk to anyone. I'm like, this is really hard. Yeah. Struggling. Yeah. Big time. That yeah. was, you know, and like you, I was like, you know, late twenties, early thirties. It was just like, whoa. Yeah. What should I do? Should I just opt out? And it was a really, it was a really tough time on every level, every level. Yeah. For me, it was really interesting. Um, two points in my career. Um, before I had children, I had worked with this woman at one company before. And, and years later, there was a baby shower for one of our former colleagues. And she was at the baby shower, this woman. I had had my son and she had said, oh, Nicole, you know, it's so great to see you. What are you doing now? And I, you know, I explained what I was doing. And she looked at me and she said, do you have children? And I said, yes, yes, I have my my son. You know, he's a couple years old. And she says, I cannot believe that you have a child. And I was so taken aback and offended, by the way. And I was saying, why? Why would you? And, you know, I fancied myself as a really good mom. And she said, well, you know, you just are nonstop work. How do you make time? How do you make time for your child? And I was so offended to this day. I remember this. And I was thinking, God, what, what does she think I am? Right? Like I, you know, and then another time when my son was in second grade, he came home and I would bring him to school every morning where I went to work, but I didn't pick him up. I had to have someone pick him up. And I was traveling extensively for, for work as well. And, and he said to me, you know, you're the only mom besides one other mom that doesn't pick their kids up for school. I said, well, no, I know this person. And he goes, yeah, but mom, she's only part-time. She only works part-time. And so, you know, she's there, she picks up. And then I thought to myself, I've got to move my son to a different school, Mm -hmm. a different community, because where it's more normalized that, you know, women are working and, you know, and, and so I had to do that, but 
it's hard. And so yeah. I, I hear you and I feel that sentiment because that's a struggle I think working moms have. It was funny because there's one piece of advice that I remember to this day. Um, and it was actually from a guy that um, I worked quite closely with. And I was talking to him, I, for some reason I was talking to him about, you know, just the, the juggle and what you need to do. And he said, Sharon, if you think you're the only person that is needed to bring your child into this world and, and give them what they need to be exposed to, prepare them for the outside world, then, you know, you, you're living in a dream world. And and it really made a difference. It's like, because, you know, as a working parent, you, you know, they, they have different experiences, they're prepared for school and they're actually built up the confidence. And I hadn't really thought about that. And I thought actually, because there's times where, you know, you're rushing around and everything. Um, but, but basically if you're giving your child the time, the present, you know, when you're there, you're actually being present is that's the value of it. But actually they, they learn, they, they need to absorb different, different people, you know, to, to build that confidence. So it, re it really, really helped me. But that was one of the trigger points that I wanted to be um, the chair, the co-chair of the Gen Networks. I thought, I, I don't want people to have to go through what I've gone through. It's, it's I want, I want, I want particularly women, but you know, I want people to be able to have conversations because it's about having the conversations. Then you realise there is no perfect book for you know having kids, how you raise them, how you do childcare. Because the number of times that you change, you know, sometimes you do nanny or you do a, a childminder, and and it always goes wrong. There's guarantee, and you just say, okay we'll go for plan B right. <laughs> whatever that is I don't know what it is but we'll go with plan we'll B we'll figure it out you bounce back you're like okay that's fine but you know a lot of the population have kids so um yeah there's no perfect rule book and and I think it's just good just talking and saying you know what do you do and how do you how do you do it and you can only do it if you've got experience so I think it's an accountability I certainly feel it's like if we can create that environment just to have conversations it makes such a difference I agree and just be open about it yeah for certain and I think that was, so you went back after nine months and then you were able to work, which was lovely, right? You were able to work four days a week at that point in time. And now, as you know, flash forward, it's very different in, in the world today, right? Since COVID. But yeah. Are you ready to break barriers and become the next CIO in the tech world? Here's the exciting news. We've custom designed a groundbreaking course specifically for female executives interested in becoming CIOs. And the best part, it's absolutely free. This women's leadership course is the first of its kind to support female leaders in technology. The program delves into real-life scenarios that CIOs face daily. Whether they're leading small enterprises or vast Fortune 500 companies. So if you're a manager, director, or VP of technology, this course is a perfect fit for you. Current CIOs and technology leaders will take you on a 15-week journey, guiding you through a 360-degree view of what it takes to be a CIO the pragmatics of implementing IT governance, the foundations of C-suite level project management and portfolios, and so much more. Ready to take a leap of faith in your career? Go to www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program and the link is in the description box. If you want to contribute to a more inclusive and equitable tech world for women, you can start at www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program. Join us in our next course for the Women in Leadership program and be part of this exciting journey. Now back to the show.
So you went back in the same position. Yes, yes. And it was interesting. So I went back the same position, um, but slightly different. I think I expected it to be the same and it wasn't. And then I had my daughter fairly, fairly quickly afterwards. And I remember um, after my daughter, I took some more time off and I remember going back after my daughter and, and losing my confidence, but almost feeling I needed a change, which I think is quite a weird thing when you think actually most people say, well, you've got two kids, just stay in the role, just keep coasting away. And I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> I need to do something slightly different so but why do you why do you think you lost your confidence I don't know and to, to this day I think it's because you know after after two kids and you, you go back I think for me it was almost just um I don't I hadn't lost myself but I didn't feel good at anything and I think it was just like a real dip it was almost I think just going backwards to the same role was just like it felt like you know I hadn't moved on and to this day it was almost you know I, I remember having a conversation with my then boss about you know like I, I I kind of, I feel like I need a change of scenery. And I think it's um, mostly down to the pressure I was putting myself saying I wanted to be this super mom and I wanted to be the best at everything. And I was just putting so much pressure on myself. For me, it was almost just like if I, if I can just do something different to, to almost re-energize, um, that was a good thing to do. So yeah, in the same company, obviously MLS was a big company, I, I took another job. And um, and again, there's a bit of a trigger for me. I kind of, if there's anything that's like a steady stay, I'm like, no, that's no good. I need to go into somewhere that's slightly mildly stressful or quite stressful. <laughs> several problems. Yeah, like your, the, your recent, your huge job that you have right now is very, I'm sure, very stressful. Yeah, exactly. Just do something. And again I suppose you know a learning is you, just because you're a busy parent and my husband and I sort of sh- share stuff which is great but it still meant you know you you're organizing yourself but actually it doesn't matter if an opportunity comes up which it did I'm like yeah yeah I'm, I'm gonna do it and that was good and, and it just it just gave me that kind of different perspective and I think that was that was a good thing to do something different to you know, different st- stakeholders, different challenges, um, and I didn't have to reinvent myself. But I wanted to get away from. I had a I had a boss who used to be my boss, but basically, I wasn't who I was when I went away. And I think that was maybe one of the trigger points. Is like you change, and and sometimes it's quite good just to say, do you know what? It's good to have a bit of a, a change, and, yes, and not to be scared about. You know, I went into a slightly bigger job um, and I still had two young kids, but that was okay as well. Yeah. And I think too, pushing yourself and and sometimes, like you said, taking on a different role, it shouldn't be so daunting. You can handle it. And you, like you said, you still had two young children, but, you know, having a paradigm shift and the involvement and, you know, frankly, I think that sometimes we all get so stuck in our careers. And if we're not making ourselves uncomfortable, we're not growing each and every day. And I think as a human being, it's important because, you know, what happens when, you know, you, you just stay stagnant, right. And you can look at, you know, a lot of elderly people, right. Look at the people who are out pushing themselves and they're on walks and they're, you know, challenging themselves and doing, you know, different things with their, their mind and, and how much happier, statistically and longer they live versus then, you know, people who are just kind of coasting. It's just not fulfilling on any level. I totally agree. And, you know, after the, you know, the, the job that was in international technology, and then I remember thinking, well, I want to go into proper IT because, um, you know, I was always working with, with tech. And I remember speaking to the CIO then, who's now the CIO Asda, who was just brilliant. And I, I talked to him and, and, you know, there's certain people in your life that you find people that just give you that boost that believe in you. And when you've got moments that you don't believe in yourself and he just believed in me. And I was just like, 
And it wasn't that flattering. It was just like a real confidence boost. And I think just a, a female thing, but we all just need sometimes just someone just to sort of say, yeah, you, you're really good. And it meant a lot to me. And it was just um, that that jump I needed. Because again, that's still that, oh, can you do it? Can I do it? And that right. sort of, you know, that 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 slight, it's not the imposter syndrome, it's just that sort of barrier that we put in ourselves saying, but what if you don't? Right. Um, so the encouragement that it gave me was just brilliant. And, and from that point, I've just gone from strength to strength because I don't, I still don't believe I'm some hard-nosed career woman. I just, you know, solving problems. I like helping people and I like using tech for good. And that's what gets me out of bed sort of thing. I just find it, you know, really exciting. So yeah, he was a great advocate, a real sponsor, I think at that point. Oh, and I think it's so important if you look at anybody in their career as having a person behind them that says, or in the front of them, right? Even the person that's leading them within their career and saying, I believe in you and Mm. not letting that person down and just giving you that bit of someone believes in me. They must see something perhaps that all the time I don't necessarily see, but I'm going to go for it. And and that commitment really to them, not to let them down, right? The minute that someone says, I believe in you, you can do this. It's this overwhelming, oh my goodness, I'm not going to let them down. And so, you know, it then becomes not about you so often. It becomes about them and fulfilling, you know, their vision almost of yourself, but really giving you that opportunity to move yourself forward, which is so amazing. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about as you were evolving in your career your network. Was that something mm-hmm. traditionally and statistically, right? They, who the they, you know, we always say the they, mm-hmm. but statistics and, you know, different large organizations run many analytics around women and network opportunities saying that those networking opportunities are more limited. And because mm-hmm. women do have families and they, they can't do traditional things like golfing or this or that, or, or, you know, going out for the pub at night or they, you know, they have responsibilities, you know, uh, more so than, or, used to be than our counterparts. But, you know, tell me a little bit about your network and and how you utilize that network to help you evolve in your career, if at all. Yeah, it's, it's really funny to say that because you know I've been I've been called um quite a few years ago now and um, I just watched her. She's a networker. I'm like, whoa, was that was that a bad thing? So I'm big on LinkedIn because I think it's just a brilliant source of like awesome people. Be the first one to connect with someone, thinking they're they're really good. I'll just I'll I'll ping them and say hi. But I think you know to those coming through in the pipeline, it's a case of have confidence and you can reach out. And I think that's what we haven't done. I think yeah, female, you know, in terms of we're a bit more. Well, will they have time for me? And that's that's what people say to me. Well, well Sharon, you, you you're busy. I'm like, yeah, but I have got time and I will make time because it's really important. So I think I've always. And certainly over the last, you know, sort of 10, 15 years, ask and put myself forward and not worry because what's the worst someone can say is no. And most of the time, people are really honored to, to, to network and connect with events. I'm, I'm quite particular now, the events I go to, and I've tended to go, go for more. I suppose more balanced events and you know and that's quite good being being selective in terms of what's the value it's going to give and and are there some people that you know I I think I'm going to learn from but also flipping it over in terms of what value I I can bring as well but I think it's it's using there's so many groups out there and connecting with with groups that you you find something that you you've got like a connection with and and you know whether that's through LinkedIn or other other sort of areas or other other networks that you can you know start it yourself as well so I think it's it's just being a bold I mean I work for Bolden which is you know bold and dynamic and I think it is it's just about being a little bit bold and taking off those you know those sort of those those wings and just saying go do it so I always encourage you know and I've already got two mentees 
um, in Bolden who, have you know, told me, oh, Sharon, you know, I don't know much of tech. I said, well, you know, um, I can tell you this. Will you be my mentor? I'm like, of course. Yeah. I've got lots to give. But I think you'd be curious and, and make that connection and be bold is, is definitely what I'd say. I mean, I talked to my daughter at the time. If you don't ask, people don't know. And, I agree. You know, People aren't telepathic. They don't know that you want to go and be a, you know, an aeronautical engineer unless you tell them and unless you start making a pathway through life that actually gives you some opportunities. You might not make it, but only you can lead that. And it's That's down right. to the person. That's right. And I'd rather, I'd love to invest some time in, in more people like that. So, yeah. Right. Now, did you have a mentor? throughout your career? Yeah. So I've had a few different mentors and my mentor at the moment is, I've, I've got two mentors at the moment and my mentor, you know, at the moment is one that I can ping anytime. It, it, it's actually a guy, but I've had a mixture and some that have just run their course. Um, I've had female mentors, I've had male mentors, but um, they've always had that connection where I've been able to just, you know, call up or, or ping, just have an honest, honest sort of conversation. But, um, but I've also got a coach at the moment and my coach has been phenomenal, absolutely brilliant. She's you know, she's been my coach for like eight, nine, 10 months now. And she's been fabulous. Yeah. So talk about that, right? An executive coach. And so mm-hmm. typically organizations will hire for their executive leadership team coaches and you work with this individual. Sometimes typically it's weekly, right? Yeah. How is that different than a mentor? How is an yeah. executive coach different than a mentor? The difference is they make the coach makes you work. Flip neck, you know. After my coaching session, I'm really tired, but in, invigorized, invigorated because I went with a particular you know set of goals, and it's almost the coach makes you almost um, work hard through what you want to work to improve yourself at the end. And so, so I think with a mentor, it's almost just listening and supporting. Whereas a coach, it's like the difference in going to the gym and doing a workout versus like probably just. <laughs> watching something you, you, you're there and you're actually saying well you know what's the outcome what do you want to achieve and obviously with this role it was a particular outcome that I had it was almost you know I want to make sure that you know I'm I'm seen and I feel like this this credible leader and in, in an area that I'm didn't know much about you know um mutual hosting and telecoms but you know I feel I can do it but how can I you know how can I focus on those those sort of those real criteria in me that makes, you know, gets me, Sharon, as a brand really out there and focusing on some of those insecurities as well that could be holding me back and really ironing some of those out. And what she did is, is just given me some real, you know, tools and techniques. I think it's addressed deep down some of the insecurities that I've probably carried on for years, whereas my mentor is almost just there, my my support to my sure. kind of advocate, whereas this the coach is like, open you up, like fiddle around and like build you up. And then you become this even, you know, better, better leader because you've enabled, you know, it's, it's all you, but you've enabled some of those skills that have been unlocked by her. So, um, yeah, I would definitely recommend, you know, if, if, if at all possible, get a coach be really clear about what you want yes it's really um i've had an executive coach for years and it's really makes a difference because but to your point it's almost they open you up and say okay you have all of these things we just mm-hmm. need to tweak this here why and in the questions to you of why sharon aren't you doing that or mm-hmm. does that sound help me understand what you've just said, but you're not willing to maybe yeah. eliminate that position or you're yeah. not willing. Is that fear-based or is there a calculated reason for that? And just yeah. playing out the tape. And so it's, it's super, super helpful. So that, that actually was great. I love that from, from yeah. a discussion point, but so, and I know we're going to, we're going to wrap up here in, ju- in just a bit, but 
it's so how did you get your big break for the chief information officer? Mm. Like how, and you know, and I know this has been an ongoing role for you, but can you share with us, how did that come? And what were your feelings when you got that? And it came about in a funny way. So I always think like sometimes when a door shuts, another one opens or slams open, it's like, wow. So I'd actually um, been covering for my previous boss, she was a CTO in, in MS, and I'd, I'd covered and applied for that role. And I didn't, I didn't get it, got down to the final two. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I listened to some of the feedback. So, okay, so I, I can think about what do I want to do? Um, and I reflected and I thought, okay, maybe it's time to do something different. So I, I was just quite receptive to opportunities, thinking I really enjoyed the CTO role, but, you know, I, I want to maybe do something different. So um, anyway, I got headhunted um, for, for, for this role and one other role. And I kind of looked at the the, um, the JD and I thought, my God, can I can I do that? And I and I spoke to the, uh, the headhunter and he goes, they, they, they want someone that, that, that's different, got a different perspective. And I, and I remember looking looking at it and then doing some research in the company thinking this is the company for me it just it ticks every box it's so inspiring and and I'm like I'm ready for this and I felt deep down that I could do this and and for the first time ever I you know I I prepared for the interview knowing that this was me and so I didn't dress up I just came across as me and I and I thought you know long hard about how you know how to approach the role and my plans so all the way through the interview process I felt very much it was authentically me so yes, it's a CIRO and yes, it's a big jump, but I didn't feel fearful for the first time ever because I thought, actually, you know, this is for me. That doesn't mean to say, you know, in the day to day and in the role now, I'm like, my son's, you know, a lot of the time, you know, I'll be like, well, I'm not quite sure what to do here. But it was like a change in, in how I was approaching life. And I, I, and I think it was just me um, saying this is right this is for me but again I think you know going back to how I got the role it was almost through a potentially negative situation and I think sometimes in life you get something that could be seen as a, a negative but sometimes it's just like do you know maybe it's a good thing to actually maybe reset and say right what do you want to do and you know I've I, you know, been here eight months so it feels like eight years in a positive way and I've seen and done more change in the last eight months than I've probably done in the last 10 years Wow, building a team building a team in a new company it's a global company um you know putting in tech and obviously with the smaller company you're more accountable so you're doing you know, the breadth of what you're doing but you know every day is like it's a totally different day so yeah i i urge people to like even a knockback it just allows you just to reset and i did actually use um i'd say he probably is a mentor um when i got the setback i thought okay how do I do it? And she's like, you know, um, Sharon, now, now is your time. And again, I, I have a tribe of mostly women that I use for different things, but people that I can trust that, you know, when you have something, you think, ah, oh, I, I need to go and talk to someone. And I, I'd encourage people just to have, have your little tribe of those. Yeah. Who can just say, this has just happened. I love that. What do you think? What do you think? Yes, very much so. It's important in everything. You know, not only your personal, your, your mm. personal tribe, right? But really your professional as well. And so it's, it's important. Congratulations on such a successful career and evolution of, you know, when you started to where you are now, it's, uh, and I, I'm, I'm excited to where you're going. (laughs) That's fabulous. So at the end of every show, I do kind of a, a fast fun five. And so, um, just lends itself to a little bit more about you on a personal level to get a little bit more tidbits about you. So talk to us really quick. Um, your role model as a child. 
Oh, absolutely. Superwoman. And not just the outfit, but kind, powerful, feminine. Loved her. Your favorite professional book? Start with why. Um, Simon Sinek. Um, really good because the more we can say why, it gets, you know, it's, it's a lot more powerful than just giving solutions. So yeah, I love that book. I love that. Um, your favorite destination? I know you're so well-traveled. So where is your favorite you know place? What? We're going, New York City is definitely, we're going there on Friday with the kids and I'm so excited. I love the buzz of there. So yeah, just a brilliant place. Uh, and during the holidays, there's nothing like New York, really. So wonderful, wonderful. And then what is your favorite downtime activity that you use to recharge? So this is quite sad and consider me quite boring, but just with the family, we've got two dogs, two kids and a husband. So going for a walk, going to have a coffee and just chilling, um, maybe having a small minor fam- family argument, but just relaxing when, with them is is really nice. Family arguments too. That's, that's yeah, yeah. That, Yes, that Lots sounds relax, about right yeah. to me. Yes. <laughs> just normal, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. And your favorite project? Yeah. So the digital colleague discount. So in my time in MS, completely revamped and digitized the colleague discount um, solution with a brilliant team and it was just hair raising fast but fun and we just had a brilliant team and it just for me it was just it was just great it was just so it was such a can-do mindset and it's sustainable because it's still there so and it's really successful so it was great really enjoyed that one congratulations that sounds fabulous well thank you again Sharon it's been lovely having you here today and thank you for your time and I know it's late there so appreciate you no thank you Nicole really enjoyed it and um yeah looking forward to speaking to you again thank you so much I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.